Hi, this is J.P. Mack, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Uh, there is no new um, acute threat to our life and liberty at the moment, but I think we have maybe Horizon A is one that's been in the making for a little while, one I've talked to you about before. It's about all of the trillions of dollars that we spent on quote-unquote COVID relief and quote-unquote stimulus. 0.9 trillion that was President Biden about 10 days ago. I've already received stimulus check. Um, no, I've received mine, and but I do understand price. And the thing is, when you look at this uh, $1.9 trillion bill that was just passed, and you realize that 91% of it went to things other than uh, COVID relief, and you realize that we got we just got $1,400, so it's about uh, $3,200 total so far that Americans have gotten through uh, various COVID relief packages. But I think uh, when you realize that only 9% of this um, most recent bill was uh, dedicated to COVID relief, which would include those uh, stimulus checks we got, I realize that maybe we uh, let ourselves go too cheaply because uh, there's a lot of other uh, special interests and uh, large corporations that got uh, far more benefit from the bill than would be the equivalent of our $1,400 checks. But um, I said, um, this is all, you know, you have to understand that you know, like me, you probably can use the money most people can. And although we don't plan on giving it back, we are going to pay for it. Uh, you and I, um, it's we're going to all pay for it in the form of inflation. And right now, this this COVID bill and the ones that preceded are just a huge inflation bomb that's getting ready to go off and I would say we would will probably feel the effects of it probably within the next two years um, a lot of prices are already going up and uh, I think that's going to increase as more people uh, work more people start spending money um, that's going to cause more inflation because, you know, about a year ago, um, today, in March of 2020, when this all started and everybody was locked down, there was a huge drop of in spending. People only um, spent money on bare essentials of food, medicine, and shelter. Not much else. Now, as the economy uh, comes back to life, people are going to spend more. And that's going to fuel the inflation. Um, I can imagine, and I'm not an economist, I can imagine that we will have 
possibly double-digit inflation um, sometime in the next 24 to 48 months. Uh, you're old enough to remember back in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, we had somewhere around here, it's not uncommon to have 7 or 8% inflation a year. Uh, with a stag stagnant economy on top of that, which was referred to as stagflation. Um, usually inflation comes at the result of a, a bad economy. You don't usually have inflation in a good economy. Um, but in this case, what happened was we really, uh, with all these COVID trillions of dollars and COVID relief and quote-unquote stimulus, all, with all the trillions spent, um, this is all deficit spending. Every single penny of it was deficit spending. We've already spent more than the entire GDP of America um, uh, a couple times over, I, I believe. But, you know, it's going to take us years to dig us out of this hole, if ever. Um, but that is just part of the problem because uh, with Joe Biden as president, uh, as long as the Democrats have some nominal control of Congress, this is going to continue. Um, I was reading uh, this article was written just before the bill was signed into law on uh, so it was written on March 11th, uh, 2021. Uh, it's it appears in uh, reason.com. Uh, by Peter Sutterman, and uh, he writes, uh, Biden's coronavirus relief plan will probably cost a lot more than $1.9 The pandemic relief bill isn't just a one-time splurge. It is the start of a new era of federal spending. Okay. And what he's talking about, now if you remember back during the election, particularly during the Democrat primaries, um, each one of the, uh, the Democrat uh, primary contestants, uh, particularly uh, Warren, uh, Bernie Sanders, and uh, Joe Biden, they all had these huge completed competing plans, multi-trillion dollar plans. I think um, we we're talking about 20 to 50 trillion uh, for instance, for uh, all the Green New Deal, if that were to be enacted. Uh, some are very hefty, and this is the start of it. So even though we don't have the money in our coffers, and we're deficit spending, we owe so much, and most of that is owed to China. Uh, we Their plan apparently is just to print money for... You know, if they can't tax it, they're just going to simply print the money. Um, and that's, that's going to be a problem because, as I said, that in the end is an, an inflation bomb. Because the more money you print, the less each individual dollar is worth, uh, particularly if you don't add any value 
um, to support that dollar. Like that dollar's not based on, uh, say, the, the price of gold or anything like that. We're not on the gold standard. So it's not tied to anything. So therefore, every dollar is worth less. Pretty basic uh, economics. It's even... It's not even economics 101. It's like economics half of one. So going on um, with this article in Reason.com, probably um, I'm going to read most of it, if not all of it to you. But it's important, so if it gets long, just kind of bear with me. It's not that long. I uh, looked at one way, the American Rescue Plan, President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion economic intervention is just another pricey COVID-19 bill in a series of them. Another one-time injection of funds into an economy in crisis. Biden has repeatedly agreed that the plan is fundamentally about quick emergency relief and in the moment temporary measure to beat back the pandemic and get the economy going. Um, just to insert my own thoughts here, um, the, the way they did to get the economy going would have been to open up the economy. And we're starting to do that now. And, uh, you know, I've talked about before, some of these states still were peaking in their COVID cases um, when they started to loosen up their restrictions, are talking about loosening up restrictions, which leads me to believe that the restrictions never needed to be that tough in the first place. If you can loosen them while the numbers are still up, that tells me that they were always too too stringent. Um, again, getting back to the article, over the long term, however, it's likely to be much more than that more expensive and more permanent than the headline figures make it sound. It portends an even greater expansion of federal power to come. Like previous bills, Biden's plan includes a round of checks for American households, with as much as $1,400 going to individuals, making as much as $80,000 annually, and couples with total incomes up to 160000 it extends an existing federal boost to unemployment insurance payments and includes money for states, for primary education, for airlines, and for a grab bag of Democratic priorities, many of which predate the pandemic. For example, the plan funds an $86 billion bailout to multi-employer pensions. This the plan props up underfunded pension schemes for about 185 unions, many of which had to had relied too heavily on risky investments rather than work contributions. The pensions were melting down long before COVID-19 became a threat. As New York Times dryly notes, the bailout represents an aid package that has nothing to do with the pandemic. That's typical of the spill, which is heavy on handouts to a slew of democratic constituencies. Teachers unions have been clamoring for an infusion of federal funds 
arguing that such funding is essential for reopening classrooms for in-person instruction. So the bill includes about $130 billion in primary education funding, but very little of that money, only about $6 billion, will be spent this fiscal year, in part because previous coronavirus spending bills provided more than $100 billion in education money. This isn't funding that will be used to reopen schools now. It's a slush fund that will balloon federal education spending for years to come. In the process, it will create a new baseline for federal education funding, one that will likely be hard to scale back. Okay, so I think what you, you can see what the Democrats did here. Okay, they and that that's why they fought so hard uh, to get this bill passed is because they wanted to, as as the uh, article says, raise the baseline for all this spending, particularly uh, in education. What that's going to do, of course, is in the future, um, as we pass uh, future budgets, it's going to be really hard to reduce that spending. Um, you know, because cause think of it, if the Republicans say we want to cut the spending, well, now they have such an inflated number. And if they cut it even to what it is prior to the COVID uh, pandemic, even if we cut it just back to what used to be normal a few months ago, uh, they'll be accused of not caring about the kids uh, the Republicans will, uh, you know, the Democrats will say the Republicans are not for education and want to uh, deprive kids of their education. And then inevitably, along with that, um, they would uh, put some sort of, uh, you know, accuse some sort of, you know, racial bias, you know, accuse the Republicans of some sort of racial bias. They'll, See that Republicans are racist because they're decreasing spending. Um, but so this is another way that the Democrats are using to to trick the public into these huge um, year after year spending increases. And remember back when when there was the fight over school lunches and the Democrats wanted to raise it uh, one amount. The Republicans also wanted to increase the amount of spending, but not as much as the Democrats. But the Democrats framed it as the Republicans wanted to decrease spending on school lunches, even though what they're actually doing is, is uh, just simply decreasing the increase in spending of school lunches. So they're pulling a, a similar trick here where if any Republicans run on lowering the budget, they're going to be accused of not caring about the kids and not caring about uh, your child's education. Uh, meanwhile, um, the Democrats pay off their friends in the teachers' union. Okay, then the article goes on to... Um, 
also uh, uh, talk about how it's also a uh, boost to Obamacare. Um, it says the Obamacare, uh, for example, the bill includes a $34 billion boost to Obamacare's private insurance subsidies designed in part to remedy a problem that the healthcare law helped create. Uh, then it goes on to say, uh, for now, this boost is temporary, lasting just two years, but there's little doubt that the Democrats will push for additional spending to become permanent. Over time, that nominally temporary $34 billion could end up costing more like $160 billion, according to the National Taxpayers Union Foundation. This isn't emergency aid. It's a likely permanent expansion of Obamacare, smuggled in under the guise of pandemic relief. And so you can see what the Democrats um, have done with this bill. They're raising the baseline spending for a lot of their pet projects. Uh, like I said, the the um, education funding and for uh, Obamacare. They want to uh, make permanent these increases in the funding. They want to raise the baseline so that even though the new spending is well above what was what we were doing in uh, previous years, uh, simply returning it to normal, even, even if we return it to normal plus inf inflation, uh, that will constitute, uh, they will frame it as huge cuts to uh, health care and to education and to all these other programs that they increased under the guise of uh, COVID-19 relief. Um, I really don't understand how uh, Republicans went along with this. Um, I know they, there is no Republican support in uh, Congress, in the House, and in the Senate. Uh, barely passed, but it did pass. But this is what um, shows us that you know this is how much damage can be done to our economy. Now remember, we're all going to be paying this bill down the road in the form of the most regressive taxes all. Um, that taxes inflation and it hits everybody. But, um, so this is like how much damage can be done. And now in two years, when we, when the Republicans try and flip Congress and they try to insert um, some, some degree of fiscal sanity back into the equation, what's going to happen is even their cuts, like I said, even if they propose cuts uh, back to levels that were even above what were done uh, up to 2020, up to 2021, they'll be, um, the Democrats will frame that as cuts to education and welfare spending. And they will accuse the Republicans of being racist or ageist or some combination, they'll they'll find some way 
to tie these cuts to uh, race or being against uh, certain certain groups. Okay, so I'm going to uh, continue on a little farther down in the article. The article, by the way, I've posted it in, in uh, Parlor, so you can read it there. Um, it will be in the show notes for this for uh, this episode. Uh, this should be episode 47, I believe. Um, so look for it um, where you get this podcast. Uh, you know, if you, I suggest that this is a good article, um, even though it's it's kind of a little bit dated because the damage or well the the cause of the damage has already been done. We haven't felt all of the effects of the damage of this bill, and we won't for years. Or, or to put it another way, the damage from this bill will resonate and echo for years, and it's going to cause a problem down the road for the Republicans, because um, again, it sets up the pub- Republicans to choose from uh, you know running on fiscal restraint and being um, accused inevitably of racism and and things like that, or uh, just going along with the the program and not really fixing, you know, not having too much of a difference between them and the Democrats. So the Democrats have kind of laid this trap now for the Republicans that they plan on spring in a couple of years when the Republicans try to uh, retake Congress. So I'm going to continue on with this article. Uh, it says, Biden's recovery plan isn't just, or even mostly, pandemic relief. And it's not just a one-time infusion of cash to Democrats, supporters, and political allies. It's the start of a new era of federal largesse one that will move more Americans on to government support, perhaps for a long time to come. Although it differs in the particulars, in some ways, this represents a return to the sort of welfare system that President Bill Clinton and uh, congressional Republicans reformed in the 1990s. Those reforms were judged successful because they resulted in dramatic reductions in the number of people on welfare. Less than two months after his inauguration, Biden, with the help of congressional Democrats, is reshaping the American economy. And there's more to come. Influenced by union wish lists, Biden has, according to a recent Times report, expressed a desire to pursue a new industrial policy with federal job supports, energy restrictions, and trade barriers. The headline on the report, the Biden team wants to transform the economy, really. So, that's that's basically it. Um, again, you can find this in on Reason.com. I'll link that to you. Um, so, if you go online, you can uh, read this. Pretty good, uh, even though... The bill itself is a fait accompli. Um, the effects of this bill is go- are going to resonate and echo for the next couple of years. 
And this is, this is uh, I think, the uh, Democrats' M.O. And this is probably, well, not probably, um, it's been widely speculated that they, well, at the time when we had these other uh, multi-trillion dollar COVID relief bills or, or you know, quote-unquote COVID relief bills, um, even under the Republicans, you remember the Democrats tried to cram all of the stuff in. Finally, they, they there's a chance, there's a change in the the Congress and in the White House, and now they can cram the stuff in that they couldn't get before. And so now it's it's pretty clear what their strategy is. Uh, they want to make it hard for the Republicans to govern as um, fiscal. Uh, being fiscally responsible or fiscal conservatives, because as as I said a couple of times before, uh, any um, attempt to reduce the spending, even it's to what it is now, um, prior to the bill en enactment, uh, even if they do that, and even if it were, it would give them okay a couple percent inflation on top of that, it will still probably uh, constitute a a cut, and of course, as I said, the Democrats will use their normal talking cuts, um, according, uh, accusing the, the presidents of wanting to, you know, you know, kill grandma and, and take away her health care and take away her education and put teachers in the streets and you know whatever, you know they're they're all going to have to face this. So, but. Yeah, so it's kind of, you know, even like like someone like me thinking that um, when the, the, con the, the congressional elections come up in two years, the midterm elections, you know, the party out of power usually wins those elections because, and it's usually, particularly when the Democrats have power, when they have the White House, and they always overplay their hand. And so the Republicans come in, and they win back the majority, and they stop the bleeding, so to speak, but the really never initiative is done. And of course, we can remember back in 2017, 2018, when there, we were fighting for a re repeal and replace of Obamacare. Uh, we were almost there. We almost had the bill across the finish line. Um, many people, I don't think anybody thought it was a perfect bill with the, what the Republicans were planning, um, but it was pretty much bipartisan. Um, there, was, there was enough bipartisan support, you know, there's enough Democrat buy-in to legitimately label it bipartisan, um, maybe if it didn't have the amount. But, you know, there was, there was plenty of Democrat negotiation, uh, you know, Trump was a new president, and he was negotiating with Democrats and all of that. Um, finally, uh, Senator John McCain torpedoed the bill, and there nothing become of it. We never got the uh, most of the Obamacare uh, reformation. We got some of it in the form of the tax bill later on that took away the um, uh, took away the the mandate, the mandatory buying of uh, insurance so the tax bill took away that 
um, but a lot of it, of course, including these parts here that the Democrats are now reinforcing. So they're throwing good money after bad uh, with regards to Obamacare with this $1.9 trillion bill. And so, you know, something like this, and this is just, this is just the beginning. Um, they're going to, I predict, you know, once this immediate COVID-19 crisis goes away, and I believe it will go away this year, hopefully by the summer, but once it goes away, there will be another crisis. Uh, it will probably be what they they'll, they'll probably call it a, uh, a climate catastrophe crisis um, because what will happen is um, what will happen with this new crisis uh, that will warrant all of this new spending uh, on the Green New Deal which they're going to pursue, uh, pursue which, as I said, um, it's going to cost anywhere between 20 and $50 trillion to enact. And then that, that may not even be being, um, counting for inflation because we don't have that money. You can't raise the taxes enough. So there's going to be inflation. So that sends the spiral even more out of control. That's something we're going to have to deal with. This, this $1.9 trillion bill is just the beginning. Democrats are going to, I predict, declare a climate change emergency. Um, they might not even wait till next year. They will probably look for some excuse, and you can write this down or file this in one of your memory banks. Remember, you heard it here first, probably, that this summer, which of course everybody knows, well, most people know, if you're uh, live along the coast, the Gulf Coast, or the East Coast of the United States, you know that hurricane season starts in June. Uh, you also have tornado season starting in the the west, out west, um, southwest. And that area starts in April to May. Uh, so running into June, you know, tornado season for that part of the country. The other part of that country will have uh, hurricanes. Really, um, the, the Democrats really are perversely hoping, at least some of them, I would suspect, are hoping for bad hurricane season. Uh, inevitably, there's always two or three hurricanes, pretty bad ones, that, that make landfall during any season, during any summer. Um, they, I predict that these hurricanes will be hyped beyond all imagination. Um, you know, God forbid, you know, um, you know, no one wants to be hit for a hurricane, you know, with a hurricane or, or anything like that, but it's inevitable that we will be getting at least a couple as we do every year. That will be hyped, and God forbid there's like any kind of super storm, like Superstorm Sandy uh, a few years back that done so much damage. Or, you know, if you have any major catastrophe like that, because that will be just the excuse they need 
to uh, declare some sort of climate change emergency. Now, forget the fact that uh, the climate is all, always changing. And forget the fact that we always have hurricanes. We always have uh, roughly the same amount of hurricanes every year. You can pretty much count on two to three hurricanes making landfall in the United States. But, and inevitably, unfortunately, that they will occur. Tornadoes will, will occur. Um, hopefully, we'll be uh, spared from anything like, um, you know, uh, any earthquakes at West in particular, you know. And even, like, here's the thing. Even if there's an earthquake, that will, they, that will be parlayed into some sort of uh, climate change um, catastrophe. That will be, uh, they will certainly try to uh, change, you know, um, change that into, uh, parlay that as a climate change and use that as an excuse for, for declaring an emergency. If, God forbid, we have any kind of major earthquake. And then again, um, they'll be looking at anywhere in the world, you know, any, any tsunami, any hurricane or typhoon anywhere in the world is going to be, I mean, I would predict, like, just make incredible uh, coverage because what the Democrats need now, now that the COVID-19 uh, crisis is winding down, and I think it will, you know, uh, God willing, uh, wind down sooner than later. Uh, if you heard lost the last uh, podcast, uh, I talk about how I think it will happen sooner uh, if we just have uh, sensible strategy with regards to the vaccine. If if the right people get the vaccine, you know, the, the sick and infirmed and those and the elderly and the people who care for them, if we are very strategic, we can knock the number of deaths way down on that. And uh, we'll eventually, we'll have states getting to zero COVID deaths. Um, first of all, it might be a trickle a day here and there, and then a day will turn to a week. And then, God willing, we'll have those weeks will turn into months, and then eventually it'll be a somewhat rare occurrence, particularly in some states uh, out west with the sparser populations. It'll be a very rare occurrence to have an actual COVID death. But as that crisis winds down, um, I'm sure that the Democrats are looking for the next crisis. Of course, you know, as they say, you'll never let a crisis go to waste. And that's been their MO um, for years now. You know, anytime something bad happens, they exploit it uh, for their own political purposes. And so count on that happening. Um, they'll, like I said, inevitably, I, I would predict probably it'll come in the form of a hurricane, maybe this year, uh, probably next year. They're looking for anything that they can use to declare a state of, an, of emergency. Now, ironically, 
we do have a state emergency at a our southern border. Uh, Trump administration declared there was a state emergency with regards to illegal immigration back at the beginning of his term. Of course, Biden is backing down on that. He's basically saying, uh, come on in. Um, heard reports of uh, would-be illegal aliens coming up from the south. They're saying that Biden has given them 100 days. They're under the impression that Biden has give them, given them 100 days to uh, get to the United States. If they can get to the United States, then they will be on the roads uh, uh, somehow to eventually being, well, permanent residents here is their first goal, and then eventually they, they will be promised citizenship. Uh, that's something that Biden has allowed them to believe. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure why they come up from the South, from Central America, and they're wearing uh, T-shirts that directly reference President Biden on them. Uh, they have slogans that mention Biden. You know, Biden, please let us in, or, or something to that effect. So, obviously, someone gave them the impression that they need to come. And the Democrats haven't done much to dissuade them from coming. Um, I think what the Biden administration has said officially is, well, just, they didn't tell them not to come. They just said, don't come yet. You know, apparently they're waiting for the covid crisis to blow over so that they can come in, let them in in large numbers. So, of course, you know, that's not stopping them. Um, there's a huge caravan at the southern border coming up from Central America and, and Mexico. Uh, and, and you have Biden also uh, saying that you know, if you come in for asylum, you get to stay in the United States. You don't have to stay in Mexico or some other country while your asylum request is being processed. You can uh, wait in the United States while your asylum request is being processed. Um, so that's one change. And so that's e attracting illegal aliens. And of course, um, the thing is that when you have illegal immigration, you know, you first of all, you have this pandemic. A lot of people are out of work, uh, particularly a lot of, you know, this, these are working class people. A lot of them are in lower classes of, of the lower rungs of the economic ladder. And these people who are losing their jobs due to COVID now have, uh, will have the added pressure of uh, low wage earners, low, low wage, uh, people working for low wages coming in illegally and undercutting their ability to um, make a living, that, you know, earn a decent wage because there's gonna be downward wage pressure but um, what the Democrats see is they see thousands of new voters. Now, obviously, if, if you thought your programs were so good, um, 
why do you need, why do you feel the need to import new Democrat voters uh, if you feel like your your programs are so good? Then obviously, you know, you won this last presidential election, although under I would say under a cloud of yeah, there, there's there. I think there will always be a cloud of suspicion about uh, some of the results. But, um, you know, that the election is over, so, but there will always be a cloud over the results. But nonetheless, um, the results were the results, and Biden is the president. Uh, Republicans did gain seats in the House. Uh, they kept the Senate from turning to you know, a pure majority Democrat Senate, so it's 50-50 with the vice president voting, uh, we can assume, on the side of the Democrats, as she is a Democrat. And so they have a virtual uh, majority in the Senate. And so they have that, uh, but historically, as I said, the party out of power in the White House uh, usually takes over Congress. They usually win states. Uh, they usually win uh, the House of Representatives back, typically. So they usually win Congress in the, the midterms. Uh, so if the Democrats were so assured uh, of them, their policies being great, that they, they could be passed and they can win election with the people here with their existing constituency, why do they feel the need to import new constituents by the millions? Um, something to ask yourself that. Uh, I have a feeling, as I said before, if if immigrants came in and all voted Republican or were reliable Republican votes, I think we would have, uh, you know, a 50-foot wall at our southern borders, and there'd be no question. <laughs> um, I think we know that the Democrat platform would include building a huge wall, even bigger than, than Trump's. So, but since uh, immigrants, both legal and illegal, made, you know, who would expect to be made legal, um, are expected to be reliable Democrat votes, then there's no incentive really for Democrats to do anything to stem the tide of illegal immigration. And unfortunately, as economists have said, that undercuts the people who are already here, particularly those on the lower rungs of the economic ladder. And also that um, taxes are our system Again, we just, you know, coming back full circle to what I was talking about earlier with all of the, this huge largesse and these huge permanent increases that the Democrats are trying to establish with their new high baseline numbers. Now, if more people come in using these services, particularly in the area of healthcare and the area of education, that's going to that even add to that more. And now you're not going to be adding 
to 2020 numbers, you're going to be adding to uh, 2022 and 2023 uh, fiscal year numbers. And you're going to be adding to those dollars, and those dollars are going to be less worth less than today's dollars. So you see how this all spirals back in on itself. Uh, you bring more people in. You, you, you first you, you raise the cost of education, the expenditure of education beyond well beyond what we can afford. And then you add people to that system and now you have to even add more on top of that because now you're dealing with the dollars, as I said, 2022 fiscal year dollars on top of that and plus you have this uh, scheme um, to create a um, an annual income a guaranteed annual income um, that the Democrats have been trying to get through kind of uh, in, uh, guaranteed income that has failed in places like Scandinavia where it's been tried it's not sustainable and it, it um, creates a new dependency class basically makes almost everybody dependency now, of course this is a great if your end goal is socialism because what would happen there is that you have all these people they're getting all this free money now you say well now you have to work for this money well there is no work so what do you do you make federal program you federalize industry to create the jobs or for shoehorn um a million people let's say into what should be a job market of say 800,000 people so now you have a million people doing the job of 800,000 and of course you see what that does to the value of Again, each individual paycheck that people earn. You have more people doing that, uh, more people doing the same job, uh, redundant jobs, uh, efficiencies of all sort um, decline. And that's this is exactly the sort of thing that happened in the Soviet Union, where they've, yeah, yeah you had a job, you had a guaranteed job. It was written in the Constitution that you had the right to a job. And in order to fulfill that right, you know, there had to be jobs created. And it didn't matter how many people. Um, it was how many people were needed. And basically, people were forced into work in the uh, areas where, where there was potential for growth. In other words... If they needed more farmers, it didn't matter what you wanted to do. Uh, if the state needed more farmers, you were probably going to be a farmer. And this, of course, is what happened um, in Maoist China and in Communist China, is people were taken away from their jobs um, in different trades, and they were forced to become farmers, um, virtual slaves of the state, because that's where the employment was that's the only place where you could put these people and of course there's the, the feeling of making everybody 
equal and of course they needed farmers back then you know back in China if you remember in the 60s and 70s they, they had they've had the largest population on earth for decades now and that goes back you know well before you know right to the beginning at least if not before the start of communist China and so places like that you have uh, you, know, you have all of these billions of people they all need jobs you know because you know, if you're getting all of this money, you're giving away all this money, and now, you know, inevitably, the the state's gonna say, "By the way, uh, now that you we've given you this money, how about you you work? How about you uh, go to this farm?" And so they're starting. That seems to be how uh, at least some Democrats apparently want to establish socialism in this country and throughout the world. It's, you give the money, the people, the free money first, and then later you say, well, you know what, we have, uh, we're giving you all this free money, now we're going to attach strings to it. And your string is that, no, you can't work here where you want to, uh, we're going to send you to a factory making, um, um, you know, wind turbines or, or solar cells. And then that's how you compete with China, and that's a very, I don't know, pretty sinister, I'd say, plot. It's like, because China has such cheap labor because they have so many people. And so there's so many people to do the job that less people can do. And so the value of each individual worker in some place like China is less. It's, it's the inflation uh, it's basically um, almost like a human currency inflation. Um, probably not the best way to put it, but the best way I can think of right now is like if you print more dollars, uh, each dollar is worth less. You make workers, uh, each worth each worker is worth less, uh, particularly if you have the same amount of production or you know, you don't increase the value of the work that's being done. And you simply increase the number of workers. Well, then the value of each worker is less. And then, therefore, that drives down wages. And uh, so, there it is, the, uh, the socialist plan for America. Um, and there, it's starting now with, uh, under Biden with this 1.9 trillion dollar uh, expense it gets people hooked on the money and later the strings come and later the control comes and then you see a lot of for instance these states you know the money that's going to the states uh it has uh strings to it um so you know the government's going to want something back in return to for to the from these states for giving them all all this quote unquote free money, um, they're going to want something in return, and that that something is well in the end it's it's going to be control over whatever industry whatever economy, whatever industry that they're looking at whether it's teachers or uh, the medical profession 
or whatever, what have you, uh, whatever they're, they're trying to do. So that's it. What it seems to be so, you know, something that gets passed um, under, under the guise of COVID relief or stimulus. That's how this whole bowl, this ball towards socialism is working. Now, of course, the Democrats and the opponents, you know, the Liz Warrens of the world will say, no, these, these are just programs and you're, you're still capitalist and, and this and that. But really what it does is forces labor in certain directions. And it's the directions that conveniently uh, provide uh, low, low wage labor, um, downward pressure on, on wages. Because even though that's, that's the ironic part about the $15, um, $15, the fight for 15 for the, the minimum wage, is that's just a, um, economic, um, you know, sugar pill that they, they're offering people, you know, and they, you know, you take that pill and you get your sugar high, but then you crash and then you realize that that, that $15 is no longer worth $15. It's worth, um, the same amount as worth your paycheck was worth before the increase. And you just had a, a slight bump, but after inflation kicks in, then your your buying power goes back down to what it was, and maybe even um, lower than that, because now we have all all of these inflationary uh, programs going on all at once, hitting all at once, and they have this cumulative effect. And so, it's going to be really hard. Um, I said the you know if you ask like Janet Yellen or anybody in Federal Reserve or uh, any anybody in government dealing with government finance, they'll say, "Oh, we're not worried about inflation because uh, they think that their programs are, can keep control of it." But what they don't realize is that first of all, you can't divide economic gravity. Uh, sooner or later, you get, come crashing down to earth with these inflationary measures. Sooner or later, after creating, uh, you know, expanding the number of dollars without expanding their tie to anything of value, then you decrease the value of each individual dollar. And that's just the way it is. You know, you can do tricks. You can do tricks with uh, interest rates. You know, you can do tricks with, I don't know, quantitative easing, but the problem is a lot of this money was, you know, they're, what they did to stop the inflation from previous, you know, large expansions to our economy, to our fiscal debt, was they held some of the money aside, so it was not really active is not circulating you and i even though those dollars existed on paper or digitally somewhere they were not dollars that you and i could necessarily spend but now with the covid 19 relief bills now a lot of that money is now it's real money it's turned from uh, like notional uh, kind of monopoly money uh, fake money on paper 
that exists only on paper, it now exists in the real world, and that's what's causing the inflation. Because now, the usable money supply is increased. So, that's, you know that you can only do that trick so many so long, and you can only do that trick so long as you don't. You, that money never sees the light of day. It never gets into circulation where you and I can spend it. You know, if it's if it's held up in the Federal Reserve, um, you know, it exists, but at the same time, it's not available. You know, it's not. It doesn't exist in any physical form. You can't. There's not a dollar bill. You know that those numbers are aren't represented. Uh, in a one-to-one ratio with dollar bills or any kind of currency and so again long story short uh, again to say this one more time the more money you print and there's no change in, in the value of that money you just print more of it that that decreases the value of each individual um, unit of currency and that's that's your law of inflation. You can use gimmicks. You can use, you know, you can set some of that money, take it out of the economy. You can, uh, you know, play with interest rates. But inevitably, the that inflation bomb is going to go off. Um, and that's the problem. We are, in fact, being bribed with our own money. And the problem is that we don't even have that money. Um, so... Just remember, two years from now, uh, and, t and remember to tell all your friends now so that they know that this is not anything new and, and tell them that, hey, if, if inflation goes up, you know, this is what has been causing it. And two years from now, when we have the midterm congressional elections and they're trying to, um, you know, wage a war against fiscal responsibility... Um, just remind them that it was the um, out-of-control spending on, in the federal government that caused the inflation in the first place. And, and these are mainly Democrat policies. So I'm going to leave it there. Um, thanks again, as always, for listening. Um, trying to keep it somewhat on topic today, but... Uh, hopefully you get that there's the just is that inflation bad um, other than that please follow us on facebook follow libertyrelearn.com online uh, look for me Mac on parlor uh, hopefully we'll have some more ways to uh, get out the word um, i'm working on things in the background kind of, kind of not ready yet but hopefully We'll find a way to get out the word to even more people with your help. Um, please, you know, if you like this podcast, share it with others. Um, check us online. Check us on Parlor. Check us 